So good morning, Eastside family. We want to let our children ages two years through third grade make their way in that direction to junior worship. There's some new folks that are with us today, and if you don't know where that is, just walk in that direction with the rest of the parents. The rest of you that are staying in here, take your Bibles and turn to Joshua chapter 1, Joshua chapter 1. And as we're doing that, I want to remind you of a very important aspect of our worship assembly, and that is the offering that we bring every Sunday to the Lord. We make it possible for you to do that in four ways. You can mail a check to our church address. You can give a draft automatically through your bank, which is easy. You can go online to our website on the homepage, click on the box that says give and follow these instructions. Or if you are here in person, you can drop off your contribution there in the box right there at the table and um, right there in the middle. And if you're not here in person but you're with us live streaming, we are absolutely honored and delighted to have you here with us this morning. Joshua chapter 1. Verses 1 through 11. And so we began a series last week in the book of Joshua entitled Fearless. And in lesson one last Sunday, our primary objective was simply to identify the, the reality of fear and our fears, to identify them, and to acknowledge that we can be paralyzed by fear, allowing fear to keep us from what God is calling us to do. That's, that's a really primary focus in Joshua, as you're going to see as we walk our way through this book. And so from the responses, I always appreciate y'all's encouragement, from the responses I got, from the many responses I got, it's clear that the topic of fear resonates with so many of you all. As a matter of fact, even the topic of the, my, I share with you my fears of public speaking. A lot of you say, oh yeah, yeah, I really get that. And I just loved all the responses I got from that and all the, the empathy too that you guys appreciate what I'm doing right now. Um, I got actually one email that I really appreciated when I was sharing with you. And it's, a, it's that real fear that I have these nightmares where I get up here to preach and boom, all of a sudden I realize I'm in my underwear and I'm all just shocked in a nightmare. And so somebody wrote me about that fear. And he, he, um, he said these words, Eddie, first, you should not worry about delivering a sermon in your underwear. Such a sermon would be like your underwear. Brief. <laughs> so you wonder who that could be that comes up with all the, the puns. So what do you fear? And how is that which you fear keeping you from moving where you are today to where God wants you to be actually today? Been on the phone a lot with my sister talking a lot about her fears. She has a fear of flying. She suffers. And when I say the word suffer, I mean she suffers from claustrophobia, which is the, the fear of confined spaces. And so when Susie flies on a plane, she doesn't just book a ticket and go. She first gets online on their website, the plane's website, to find out what's the size of that plane, what kind it is. She knows the different types and, and the different sizes. It's too small. She's not going. She's learned a little secret with Southwest, I'll tell you this. If you fly Southwest, she'll go up to them at the gate before they start boarding and say, I have claustrophobia. They let her board first so that she can sit at the bulkhead. So that's a little secret if you honestly have claustrophobia. When she flies, sometimes she has to. She won't go to the restroom 
and lock the door. Because you ever been, I mean, what a, what a nightmare for somebody with claustrophobia to get one of those little restrooms. She has a flight attendant stand right there at the door. She won't get on an elevator. She'll go 10, 15, 20 flights up the stairs. She will tell you that her fear of confined spaces is debilitating. She's gone for counseling. As a matter of fact, she went to this, I forgot what the name of this therapy was, but it was some type of hypnotic therapy. And this is true, all right? It's going to, you're going to think I'm making this up. She went through this type of therapy, and in this therapy, they helped her get to the root causes of her fear. And evidently, my sister, one of her root causes of her fear is that when she was a little girl and she was playing with her brother, her, our father has this kind of like a green he was a Marine, this green chest, he kept all of his belongings in. So we were playing in it. Somehow she got in that green chest and her brother, I don't know if he locked it or sat on it, but he kept her locked up in there for a good while of time. And that just absolutely traumatized her. You know, she only has one brother, so I'll let you <laughs> connect those dots. Don't play with Eddie. He doesn't play fair. But fear can be from trauma. Our fear can be from things we don't even we don't even don't even really make sense to us. And so, to to some degree, we said, "Okay, it exists," and fear paralyzes and keeps us from from doing what God has called us to do. And so now the question is, "All right, great. Well, how do you overcome fear? What do we do about it?" Well, I was recently on YouTube and. Uh, I came across this counseling session that was recorded on YouTube and it's this counselor that's working with a woman who has a fear. Her fear is like my sister's claustrophobia and she actually has a fear of, of being buried alive in a box and I want you to take a look at this and see if perhaps we found the answer to overcoming fear through this, through this uh, Tell video. me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well... I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No, no, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes, yes, that's it. All right, well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, if, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most we find most people can uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. Here, here they are. Stop it! <laughs> I'm sorry. Stop it! Stop it! Yes. S T O P. New word. IT. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So, 
I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, you, you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. <laughs> yes. Then stop it. So that's actually six minutes long, and it's worth you going to find it, all right? Funny as all get out. And that was not as much the funny part as all the rest of it. So, but I actually showed that to you for a reason. Is that the answer to our fears? Just don't be afraid. Stop it. Because, and I ask that because when you read Joshua chapter 1, you might think, well, that's the answer. We got this story as God is calling the Israelites and Joshua to cross the Jordan River into this land with all of the known fears and all of their unknown fears. And so we read here in chapter 1 in verse 9, have I not commanded you, don't be afraid. What else do you need? Don't be afraid. All right, let's move on to chapter 2. No, wait a minute. We find here in chapter 1 that not only does he tell us not to be afraid, but he gives us truths to help us overcome our fears, to not be paralyzed by these fears. There's three of them that I have. I'm sure there's more than three, but, but I'm going to share these with you this morning. And you're not just going to see them here in chapter 1. They're threaded throughout this whole book. They set the stage for the book, and God is reminding Joshua of his peoples. We need these reminders again and again and again. I want to thank our life groups who got this passage and you shared with me some input from it last week from your groups. I'm not going to read all of this passage again, chapter 1 verses 1 through 11. We did that last Sunday, you did that in your groups. What I want to do is, is point out the bullet points and, and direct you to the verses that are there. Being fearless has three components. Number one, and they all start with P to help you remember. Number one, God's presence. I want you to notice here God's presence in verse 9. I'm just going to make this little side point. I probably won't make it again for the rest of this series. For like almost nine years I've been using the NIV up here. I've switched to the ESV, a different translation, English Standard Version, only because that's what I used in my morning studies and journaling for Joshua. And so that's what I'm familiar with. So that's what you're hearing if it's a bit different. God's presence is a component to being fearless. Verse 9, notice it says... Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed. Well, easier said than done. How do you do that? Keep reading. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. You're going to hear that a lot in Joshua. As a matter of fact, it's mentioned earlier. In, in, in chapter 1 in verse 5 where, where God is saying to Joshua, no man shall stand, shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Whatever you're going to face, nothing can stand before you. And then he goes on to say, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. And so as Joshua is being given the mantle of leadership and all the fears and intimidations of following in Moses' footsteps, and thinking, how in the world, if you look at Moses' story, how can I ever live up to that? How can I ever do the things that Moses did? It's understanding that God was with Moses each step of the way. Joshua, he will be with you each step of the way. If, if, if I 
if you, if we could, could get that, and if we could believe it, and live it, and realize it, that the God of the universe, our creator, the almighty, the omnipotent, there is none greater, there is none more powerful, there is none wiser, the Lord, he doesn't even say the Lord, but he says the Lord, your, he is yours, the Lord your God, he is with you, I don't care where it is, wherever you go, if we could get that, if it's at work and the insurmountable challenges that you face, if it's at home as a parent and you're just, how in the world are you going to face this with your children? If it's as a single parent, if it's marriage struggles that are bigger than you are and you don't see any way out of this, if you're in the darkness of a room by yourself, feeling lonely, whether that's literal or figurative, if the mountain of financial struggles, struggles are larger than you are, if you're standing before an illness of a diagnosis of the possibility of it, if you're in an ICU room, if you're walking through the valley, Psalm 23, of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I'm tough. No, because you're with me. God's presence. He is with me now as I stand here and speak to you. If you, could, if you could just listen to this and then go home and, and, and read it every morning. Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now, thus says the Lord, He created you, O Jacob. He who formed you. You hear that? I'm your creator. I'm your God. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You belong to God. Is he not going to be there? When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, notice he's not saying you won't be in the fire. He's not saying you won't be in the waters. He says, I will be right there. For I am the Lord your God. And here's what's amazing about the book of Joshua. He is not just there with us as an observer. And you see it many times. I'm just going to give you two examples. In chapter 10, there's this huge battle against all odds. And now Joshua is looking back as they have gained the victory from this incredible, from this battle. And it said there, as he's looking back on it, there has been no day like it before or since. What just happened, it's never happened before, and it'll never happen again. For the Lord fought for Israel. And then we're going to see that. It comes up again and again, but I, I love it in chapter 23. Again, Joshua's looking back and just, how in the world did this victory just happen? And there we read in, in, in chapter, verse 3 of chapter 23, it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. And then he's speaking of the Israelites as soldiers, and he says of them in verses 9 and 10, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One of you puts to flight a thousand. Think about that. This is a picture like you see of this, these chess pieces. There's one against all of these, one against a thousand. How can you not be afraid of that? But he says in that passage, one man of you puts to flight a thousand. 
since it is the Lord your God who fights, not with you. He fights for you. None can stand against you because none can stand against God. And I think one of the great causes of of fear is just being alone, feeling alone. It's just me. And I I, I can't do this on my own. (laughs) You don't have to. You're not alone. You are never alone. Let God's presence make you fearless. But secondly, the second, the second key to overcoming fear is God's promises. I think one of the other great causes of fear is, is you're wondering about the future. An uncertainty about the future. Karen is gone for two weeks. How am I going to make it? Just kidding. I'm 61. I'm going to retire. What's that going to look like? There's a, there's a very real fear of uncertainty of the future. The doctor called me the other day and said, I don't like those test results. I need you to go see this doctor. What's that about? I don't want you coming up and saying, oh, Eddie, oh, Eddie. No, this is, just, this is really real. This is real, all right? That's the only reason I'm sharing that with you. My daughter is going through something horrible along with her five-year-old and four-year-old. What's it going to look like next month, next year? What's it going to be for those children? I don't know the future. You look at your marriage, maybe, and you're thinking, man, I don't know. I don't see, I don't see this going anywhere good. How are we going to get through this? See, here's, here's the thing. God has made some promises. You embrace those promises. This is in chapter 1. Verse 2, I love this, I shared it with you last week. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I'm, going, that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. And so you need to understand, this is a land that God had promised to give his people as far back as in Genesis chapter 12 with Abraham. And now we're still speaking of it. But then notice what he says in verse 3. Before they cross the Jordan into the land. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Just as I promised to Moses. Did you hear the verb tense there? This promise is so certain that it's written in the past tense as though it has already happened. Before they crossed the Jordan and their feet touched the land, it was already theirs. It had already been given to them. That is how certain God's promises are. To us. And you're going to see this again and again as we, as we move on into chapter 21. We're going to see how, again, Joshua's looking back and thinking, wow, 
After seven years, we're going to walk through seven years of an incredibly difficult time with Joshua and the Israelites. And after the seven years are over, against all the odds, against all the difficult times, against times when it feels like, felt like failure was, was inevitable, they're standing victorious. And we read in chapter 21 and verse 22, not one word, I love this, verse 22 of chapter 21, not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. All of them. All of his promises. It didn't always feel like it in the moment. It wasn't easy. They stood before intimidating odds. It was, it was a time that was fearful. But God was faithful he is faithful to keep his promises to us nothing in all of creation there's no one there's nothing there's nothing going on in your life that can stop God keeping his promise that he is and there's loads of promises in the scriptures let God's promises make you fearless. And then finally, number three, the third component of fearlessness is, is I call it God's prescription. I was looking for a word to describe the word of God because that's really what I'm talking about. It's God's prescription. You've you got to notice in chapter one, it's huge here, the emphasis, and it's throughout the whole, whole book, the emphasis on God's word. For example, in verse seven, notice, he says, only be strong and very courageous being careful to do according to all the law. You see the parallel there between being fearless, being strong and courageous, and the word of God? They're both side by side. Strength and courage and being fearless flows out of the word of God. And of the word of God, he says here in verse, verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all that is written, that is written in it. There is a parallel, there's a correlation between being strong and being in God's word. God's word is our source of nourishment, our source of strength. God's word is to followers of Jesus what spinach is to Popeye. All the kids don't understand that, you explain it, parents, to your children. The point being, if you are not diligently and daily feeding from God's word, as it's mentioned here, you will be weak. It's not you might be weak. You will be weak and you will fall. You will fail again and again and again. You cannot do it on your own strength. I am shocked by those whose spiritual nourishment from God's word is primarily and exclusively what happens here only on Sunday. And then they're confused about, well, I just feel so weak that's the first aspect of God's prescription and God's word but secondly it's crucial because God's word it's it is our we see this here it's our guide in knowing what to do when we're facing the giants I think one of the one of the causes of fear is not only feeling alone but then when you're feeling like I don't know what to do I, I I got an email this morning I'm in the middle of a mess it's not anything to do with this church it's not anything to do with my family. But I'm in the middle of a mess and I'm seeing something amazing fall apart and I'm, and I'm, I'm being called in to help and I don't know what in the world to do. And the person sent me an email and says, Eddie, we're standing before giants. I'm clueless. And it creates anxiety. What do we do? The good news is, whatever it is, there is guidance and wisdom if we will only look to it 
in Scripture. And we're going to see this later on in Joshua, is that they've been called hold to Scripture, abide by Scripture, but they got to a point where God's Word is good, but it doesn't make sense in this situation, and so they made a detour in this direction, and then all of a sudden, they failed and were defeated miserably. He says here, be careful to do not most all, not some, but all that is written. Not turning from it to the right, nor turning to the left. And that is such a tendency. I see God's word, I know how it applies, but in this, in this situation, i got to pull this way. i got to pull that way. All doesn't apply in my life right now. There are far too many people following their preferred selected passages from God's word and not the whole counsel of God. And therefore, they're not experiencing the promises of success and prosperity given here. Mentioned in verse 8, success and prosperity. Now understand, when I mention that, don't let some preachers fool you with this. This is not prosperity and success as the world defines it. It's not prosperity and success. Probably you want that to be defined. It's as God defines it. In his time. But here's a point we're going to come back to again and again and again as we look at God's prescription. Being fearless is not being reckless. Being fearless is not being foolish. It is saying, God, I will follow your wise prescription given to me for my life. I'm going to trust you with the outcome. And then one final aspect I can't, can't, I can't overlook here in chapter 1 of God's prescription, God's word, is it's also a call to obedience. I want you to notice in verse 9, he says, have I not commanded you? I think it's really important to understand, God is not saying, hey, Joshua, I have an idea you ought to think about. That's not what's going on here. This is not for Joshua to say, God, I don't know, the Jordan River... It's deep, wide, crossing over, and then Jericho, those walls, and not just Jericho, all those cities are fortified. The people are like giants. I mean, we've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, all this generation's died. We've got all these young people. We're clueless. We don't know what to do. God, I don't know. And God is saying, have I not commanded you that's in God's prescription you see being fearless is about being obedient to God's calling and to pull back because of fear is nothing short of sinful disobedience you know the, the song Revelation Revelation 21.8 you know the song you've heard that liars talks about liars the first person or people it talks about no dancing back there it's coward the cowardice Cowardice is fear that keeps me paralyzed and stuck. It keeps me that I allow from doing the will of God. And that's a sobering thought because there in that passage, cowardice is mentioned first in, first in the order with words such as murder, sorcery, sexual immorality, idolatry, lying. The call to being fearless is a command to being obedient to God's prescription. Let God's prescription make you fearless. Alright, so these are the three points. Now what I want to do is I want to get a little bit shallow or cheesy and put all this into an illustration, but I think if I do, it will help you um, 
perhaps apply it to our life. Let's just say God says to me, all right, Eddie, here's what I want you to do. I want you to step in the boxing ring and I want you to fight Mike Tyson. And I want you to know, Eddie, that the winner of that match is going to take home $10 million. And I know you guys are looking at me going, oh, Eddie, you got this. I mean, I may be ripped, buff, but I'm telling you, look at that picture up there. Oh, no, man, I'm petrified, and I'm going to say to God, "Uh uh-uh, not happening. And and, and first of all, he's going to kill me, but second of all, I'm going to be humiliated on public television nationally, not doing it. But what if God said, all right, wait. Eddie, I want you to know that when you get in that ring, I'm going to be there with you. Not only am I going to be there with you, I'm going to fight for you. I just need your hands, your eyes, your arms, and your feet. Really? It's going to be like, God fighting Mike Tyson? Hmm. I'm not finished, Eddie. I promise you, You'll have to go, okay, I'm going to make you a promise. Now, you'll have to go 15 rounds with this guy. 15, like 15? You're gonna, he's going to hit you, and it's going to hurt. You're going to hit the mat, and you're not going to think you're going to be able to get up. You're going to lose your breath. You're going to get some swelling along your face. You may even get part of your ear bitten off. <laughs> if you know the story. But I promise you, at the end of 15 rounds, you will win this fight. You will take home $1 million. You're going to be with me fighting. And I'm going to win $10 million? No, you have already won. It's yours. Yeah, but I don't know how to box. I have no clue what to do, to which God says, of course you don't. But follow my prescription. Just do exactly what I tell you to do in each round, and in the end, you will be sure to win. And Eddie, one final thing. I'm not asking you to do this. I'm commanding you. Would you do it? I think I would. In spite of my fear, I spoke of my sister earlier with her fears of claustrophobia. She has a son who lives with his wife in South Africa, and Susie hasn't seen them in a long time. So she and her husband, a while back, booked a flight to go see them, and she's petrified of flying. And I need you to understand that she found just one flight. But she lives close to Atlanta, and I think it's Cape Town or Johannesburg. It's a 16-hour flight. With her debilitating claustrophobia, she made a decision to do what petrifies her. To be in a confined space with no way out for 16 hours. And so in the days and weeks leading up to this trip, she's been waking up at night scared to death. We've been talking about it. She's been for therapy to help her to not be paralyzed by this fear. 
this past Friday, two days ago, she got on the plane. She made the flight in spite of her fears. Her fears were still there. She had a greater cause. Her love for her son and her daughter-in-law was greater than her fear, and she refused to let that fear stop her. And so, oh, I turned off my phone. I wrote her on Saturday. I wrote her on Saturday. I looked at the clock and I thought, ah, it's 16 hours. She should be there. I said, did you make it? How are you doing? She says, we just landed. We're taxing in. And she wrote me, if I can quote it, something. And then she says, I was fearless. I've been practicing on her, these sermons. So finally, I just want to tell you, as you read on Joshua, we meant to say this last week, we were, we're going to see Joshua and the Israelites. We're going to see them, in spite of their fears, with fearless courage. They're going to cross the Jordan River. They're going to do it. They're going to go into the promised land armed with the truths that God would be with them that God would be fighting for them and that he had promised them the victory and they were going to be armed with the truths of this is how you fight by God's prescription each step of the way. And I think an important thing that I want you to note is that the name Joshua in the Hebrew language, and I mentioned that because the Old Testament is in Hebrew, the name for Joshua in the Hebrew language, Yeshua, is a transliteration of the Old Testament which is the Greek for that in the New Testament. Greek is in the New Testament language is Jesus. The book of Joshua, the story of Joshua, is a reflection. It is a foreshadowing of Jesus. In Joshua's story, we are seeing Jesus' story. In Jesus' story, we see that in his humanity, God becoming man, he faced fears like humans faced them. But in spite of the fears of rejection, criticism, mockery, loneliness, persecution, torture, beating, and a brutal death that was dragged out for six hours, he crossed the barrier from heaven to earth and he gave his life for us because of a greater cause. You are, were, and are that cause. His love for you was greater than all of those fears. And so the the book of Joshua is calling us as a church and as individuals to follow Yeshua. God is Savior. Jesus. Calling us to step into the future. To move from where we are, from where you are, to where God is calling you to be. To, to embrace the mission that God is calling all of us to. To make disciples of all nations. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Will you be fearless and follow him? What, what does that mean and look like for you? Let's ask him in prayer. Would you stand? Father, I could go on to part two of this and talk about what this means for us in a personal and practical way, but I am way out of time. And so I'm going to trust you now, Holy Spirit, to cover part two. And I hope you covered part one. And speak to us as we offer up this word of song and prayer.
Help us see where we are and where you want us to be. And help us, in spite of our fears, to step with faith to follow Jesus. Oh God, help us to embrace the truth that you are with us, fighting for us, that you have given us promises that are so certain they're given to us in the past tense because we already have them. We commit ourselves to following your word and your will in each step. We come before you and, and, and offer our prayers up to you. And if there's someone here this morning that is carrying a heavy burden in a prayer and you want to reach out to one of our shepherds, they're going to step out of their seats and make themselves available. Uh, they don't have to be, a, it doesn't have to be an elder though. If, if there's a, someone you want to go and pray with or someone that you need to pray for you, I want to encourage you this time to reach out in prayer. Let's offer this song to God. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.